The following is a presentation of the Recycling Council of Alberta's 2019 Sea Change Conference held October 2nd to 4th in Jasper, Alberta. The RCA would like to thank our supporters for making this conference possible, including Platinum Sponsor, GFL Environmental, and the sponsor of this session, the City of Calgary. In this segment, keynote speaker and VP of Global Business Development for Loop, a TerraCycle company, Anthony Rossi, speaks about the global platform that enables consumer product companies and retailers to shift away from a disposable supply chain. Morning, everybody. I guess it's, let's get ready to rumble for the next session. Um, my name is Rick Feldarkey. I'm with the City of Calgary. I have the special honor of introducing our next session, our keynote speaker. Um, if I could first just say congratulations to the RCA for another wonderful conference. Congratulations to Christina, uh, Jody, and all the organizers and volunteers. Great session. I've been here. This is my fifth one. I uh, returned to the city's waste recycling group five years ago. Some will say I I uh, was on the dark side. I was in the water utility for seven years before returning, so finally got my senses about me. Anyway, so congrats, and moving on to our next session. Uh, so when I think about a sea change, the way we need to change our thinking, and how we can adapt in the future, look no, for, no further ahead than our next speaker. And let me just set this up a little bit. I found an article, of course, on Google, so, online shopping is booming. By 2021, approximately 4.9 trillion trillion is expected in global e-commerce sales with more than 2 billion shoppers turning to one-click ordering for their every need. For online retailers, this means more business. Though without easy options for re reusable packaging, booming online sales also means more waste for the planet. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, in the States, 29.7% of all municipal waste in the United States comes from packaging and container materials for both food and goods. That material ranges from plastic, which sees 40% of its global production being used for packaging, to cardboard, which is responsible for 165 billion packages annually. So that's the extent of the problem we're trying to deal with. So along comes TerraCycle and more specifically Loop and our next speaker. And in its simplistic form, Loop is going to be a company that takes us back to the days of the milkman. How many people remember? All right, one. We have one person. We have two people. That's fantastic, guys. Because I actually do remember the milkman. And uh, does anybody know what I'm talking about when I talk about the milkman? At least the Gen Xers and the Gen Yers have any clue what I'm talking about. Okay. So... I'm going to let our, our speaker talk about this a little bit further. So, Tony Rossi is the VP Global Business Development for Loop, which is a TerraCycle company, a global platform that enables consumer product companies and retailers to shift from a disposable supply chain to a durable one. Tony has been with Loop for 18 months and TerraCycle for seven years. Before leading the global business development team for Loop, Tony was the head of global business development for TerraCycle, supporting the company's growth in 21 markets around the world. Prior to joining TerraCycle, Tony earned his business development stripes in working in Toronto, Dijon, Budapest, and Vienna for some of the world's largest professional service firms and finance institutions, 
Please join me in welcoming Tony Rossi to the platform. All right. Um, thank you so much. It's been an amazing morning. I, I love the, the first three presentations today. Um, I was sitting, smiling, nodding in the back, which is uh, not always the case when I join a conference. So thank you for that. In the spirit of showing or raising our hands, who's heard of TerraCycle? Wow. When I said that seven years ago, it was maybe as many people as the milkman. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that, that we've grown, and I think it's because people really care. And for us, sometimes I have to stop and reflect and think that TerraCycle as a business now is almost two decades old. And for all of those two decades, we, we have a, a singular mission, right? We're, we're a purpose-driven company. And our mission is we don't believe in garbage. And everything that we do, every business unit that we create is there to, to help us achieve that mission. And today we, we have four of those business units live, right? TerraCycle is all about recycling weird stuff. And I'm going to touch on that in a sec. Then we have our storied plastics department, right? Helping, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a new one for me. Um, all about helping companies integrate recycled content back into their packaging. Loop is obviously what I'm here to talk about today, but we also launched our nonprofit, um, our foundation in Thailand earlier this year. And next year, we're going to be launching our diagnostic department, which is quite exciting as well. So we are in 21 countries around the world. Um, again, in all of those markets, helping achieve or try to get to a point where we're eliminating the idea of waste. And what's been exciting is that as we've embarked upon this journey, we've worked very closely with the waste management industry, right? They've been very strategic partners um, here in Canada and Brazil, across Europe, and, and soon um, in, in Japan and in Australia as well. While I'm going to spend most of my time talking about Loop, I think it is important to talk about TerraCycle a little bit because it really sets the stage on, on why we're doing what we're doing. And for us, we are in a linear economy today. We're in a disposable society, right? Take, make, dispose. And, and right now, the majority of the products and packaging that we're making are ending up in landfills and incinerators. So for us as TerraCycle, our goal, our first goal is how do we avoid that? And for us, we always kind of go back to this really simple equation as, as kind of bespoke recyclers. And in our experience, what's unlocked recyclability has always been economics. It's a financial equation, right? It's, it's a big reason why a lot of the materials are ending up in landfill and incineration. And for us at TerraCycle, we focus with the orange side, right? That's our bread and butter. We're not here to, to be people's PET recycler or, or paper or aluminum, anything that is municipally recyclable. Everything that people don't want, we want. And for us, that's why we've partnered primarily with the CPG industry. Uh, now we have growing business units where consumers fund this directly themselves. But to offset that economic delta and unlock the, the recyclability of you know, hundreds of different products that we're collecting and recycling today at TerraCycle. Uh, there's no reason why things can't be recycled. 
Uh, we've been doing it, like I said, for two decades. Most people know us for this as an upcycling company, taking flexible plastics and creating kitschy products like backpacks or um, making bespoke uh, blazers for celebrities. But as you can imagine, that wasn't a scalable solution for the problem of waste. There's only so many talk shows out there. So we, we really organically morphed into this recycling company, taking these materials, creating a new raw material, and most importantly, finding the end markets, the people who are going to buy our raw material and integrate it back into their packaging. We've done that with a lot of different companies over the years, um, continually expanding and growing. Um, but for us, the last few years, for me, the turning point was David Attenborough's Blue Planet documentary. From that day, our phone started ringing. I didn't have to, to kind of harass people to take meetings to talk about waste. They started calling us. And the last few years, TerraCycle has really focused on scalability. Um, one of our more successful programs now is in the UK where we're recycling um, chip bags. And we have over 10,000 public collection points across the UK where you can type in your postal code. And more, more often than not, there's a place around the corner from you who's going to be collecting, accepting those materials to send them back to TerraCycle and be recycled. Uh, we've done this on the professional side too. This is a really nice example where we worked with the Korean Dental Board to make you know, dental offices a collection point for toothbrushes. And even municipalities. So this is a partnership that we launched last year with Procter & Gamble um, in, in Amsterdam where we set up public collection bins where people can drop off their dirty diapers and we would collect them and recycle them. Luckily I'm not at that MRF or anywhere near that. <laughs> but it's working. Uh, and even in the United States, while this is an example with Target, this year we partnered with Walmart to collect uh, used car seats at over 4,000 doors across the United States. Walmart had to close down the program nine days early because collections were so overwhelming. Um, and it's just a really great demand, or to show demand from consumers who want these options. So that's our first business, recycling weird stuff. Our second is how do we help companies integrate those recycled polymers back into their packaging? And probably the most famous example we have of that is the work we've done with Procter & Gamble and Unilever to create a supply chain for ocean and beach plastic around the world. So we've facilitated thousands of cleanups where people will send us back um, plastics that they collected from beaches, from you know, the actual water itself. We collect, we sort, we process, and then we work with our partners to integrate that recycled polymer back into their packaging. So here we just have uh, excuse me, a few examples of that. It's continued to grow. We work with everything from high-density polyethylenes to polypropylenes and even PET. So that's our second business, right? How do we take that recycled material and do something productive with it? But I'm here today to talk about Loop. And what happened was... Three years ago, when our CEO, Tom, was at the World Economic Forum with Procter & Gamble, um, kind of announcing the Head & Shoulders Ocean Plastic Bottle, he, he participated in a lot of sustainability talks at the World Economic Forum. And as he sat there, as he listened, he challenged himself. He said, is making everything recyclable and making everything from recycled content, as utopian as that sounds, and I think everybody in this room would get that more than most, that's not the solution, right? It's a Band-Aid on a cut. 
We're trying our best to solve for a shitty problem, excuse my French, that we've created. So he started to really think and said, what is the problem? The problem is the idea of disposability. And that's what we should be solving. We cannot look 30 years into the future and think that we're going to be okay if we're still in this model. So that's where the idea for Loop was born. Three years ago at the World Economic Forum in Davos. And this year, at the World Economic Forum in Davos, in January of 2019, we announced that that loop was coming. Right? It was about two years in the making. Um, we did it together with the CEO of, of Procter & Gamble and PepsiCo, who are two of our founding partners. And we even invited Greenpeace to participate as well, who said, this is really great. And for anybody who knows Greenpeace, that's a really big achievement. And every time she spoke, we kind of held our breath, but it went really, really well. <laughs> So today, Loop, Loop is live. It is, it is a platform that is up and running, and we're working in, in two markets. So today, Loop is live in the northeast of the United States. So it's about 13 states now in the northeast, as well as the greater Parisian area in France. So we, we went live in May of this year. So Loop has been up and running for, for four months. What I do want to say is, if you compare Loop to our TerraCycle business with TerraCycle, no matter where you are in any of our markets, you can participate in a recycling program, right? From this hotel here in Jasper, we can collect things, we can put it in a box, and we can send it to TerraCycle. Loop is, operationally speaking, a lot more complicated. So it is a pilot today. It's, it's smaller in scale, and we're building regional hubs and hope to expand you know, across uh, every market that we open, but it's starting smaller and will grow. Um, what you'll also notice is that in all of these countries, we're going to be partnering with retail. And I'll get to why that's important later on, but it's a key pillar of our growth strategy and how we envision Loop being available to everybody in all the markets where we operate. So what the heck is Loop? We talked about the milkman. Here he is. We took a lot of inspiration from the milkman. As we started to, to think about how we're going to solve for single use, this is where we took a lot of inspiration. And what's important to note in the Milkman model was that packaging was purely the vehicle to get the product to the consumer. Uh, our first presentation today talked about Tim Hortons and that great model where, where we've become the owner of packaging and we're forced to dispose of it. Wasn't the case here. And packaging was, in this model, an asset owned by the milk company. And it wasn't sustainability that drove them to create something that was durable and wonderful to the environment. It was business. The longer that milk bottle lasted, the better the economics were. But what happened... Coming out of World War II, we have tremendous advancements in, in polymer science, and we have the rise and the birth of disposability. This is an actual advertisement from a 1952 Time magazine celebrating the virtues of disposability. And they're not wrong. In this article, in this, sorry, it was an advertisement, not even an article, they're saying, why spend 27 minutes after dinner cleaning your dishes when you can throw everything in the air and enjoy that time with your family? And for me, that's not a bad thing. Right? Who wouldn't want that? And it also made, like this idea of disposability, made products more affordable. Today, as we sit here, we have access to more stuff than we ever have before. Right? And we can get it affordably, and we can get it conveniently. Those are all good things. 
So what's bad about this? In this model, one of the key changes is that, that shift of ownership, right? Today, when we buy that Coca-Cola, you are now the proud owner of that, of that, uh, of that can. And for Coca-Cola, and I'm not picking on Coca-Cola, it's everybody, it's a cost of good. And like any good business, what is our goal over time is how do we reduce those costs of goods? That's how we pick up margin. That's how we become more profitable, right? And how we've done that today in packaging has primarily been through lightweighting. And lightweighting has tremendous environmental benefits. I'm not here to debate that today. But what I would say in terms of recycling, lightweighting is challenging, right? The lighter, the more complex packaging becomes, the less incentivized we are as recyclers to actually collect and recycle this stuff, right? We don't want to recycle pouches because there's no, envi- there's no uh, economic benefit to doing that. But what's also interesting about lightweighting of packaging, and normally I would make this uh, an open-ended question, but we're going to make it rhetorical today, we've removed some consumer delight, right? When I, when I ask that question to people, over nine times out of ten, if I said, what package form would you prefer to drink your soda in? Nobody says the pouch. 9.9 out of 10 people say, I want to drink it out of the glass because it's nicer. Coca-Cola and Pepsi have both told me that their product tastes better in glass. So that's a really key point that we're thinking about when we come up with our loop kind of thesis statement. And that is, how do we solve the negatives that disposability brought to the table while maintaining all of the virtues? Because when we do that, we feel that we have a really sticky platform that's really going to change behavior and get people into the loop. So looking back to the milkman, if, if you go onto loopstore.com or maboutiqueloop.fr, all of the packaging that you see today is an asset that is owned by the company who is making that packaging. And by making packaging an asset owned by the brands, That has unlocked the ability for our partners to invest more in that packaging, right? And with all of our partners, we're we're helping them make this transition from single use to durable. And we're we're helping guide them to create packaging that can be used at least 100 times. That's our goal, not only because it has a much, much better lifecycle analysis, which is incredibly important, why would we be doing this if it's not good for the environment? But also financially speaking, right? When, when a company can amortize that cost, and it is more expensive than the single-use packaging that they're using today, again, that's what unlocks companies being able to partner with Loop. And what we found is that by designing into durability, it unlocks a few key um, benefits. The first is reusability. We can't reuse a PET bottle today because by the time we collect it, we wash it, we dry it, we're going to end up with a misshapen ball of plastic. And Evian or Coca-Cola or any other company would never put their product back into that. It would never meet their quality assurance, quality control standards. So we need to use materials that are more durable that can withstand not only the operational rigors of the platform, but most importantly, the cleaning and sanitization and refill process. 
What we also found that was quite fun is that reusability enables nicer design. I am incredibly biased, but I would say that this deodorant container is much nicer than the single-use alternative that exists on shelf today, right? One of the... One of the ironies of what I do is get in front of the Unilevers and Proctors and Marses of the world and ask them to completely change the way that they've been doing business for 100 years. That's a fun conversation. Uh, <laughs> but what's more fun is, is working with the packaging, the innovation team, and saying, you've had this downward pricing pressure for the last 20 years where every year you get a little bit less to make your package, but it needs to perform the same way. Today I'm here and I'm going to say, here's $5. What can you do? And the results have been really inspirational. And one of the, the kind of the key things, and you'll see this later on in the, in the deck, is that we're really trying to make sustainability irresistible. Right? Whether or not you care about the environment, we've seen a lot of people just want to have this deodorant because it looks nice. It's really small, travels well. We'll be launching next year. I'm very excited. Um, the last piece is that investing in packaging, we've also seen, can enable new functionality that makes that product better for the consumer. And when we're making products that we want people to buy, any additional functionality that we can build in is a really good thing. So I'm going to start, um, I'm going to go through a lot of examples. Primarily, we're, we're working in the food the beverage, personal care, and home care, home care space today. And over the next few slides, I'll just show you some examples. The first one is with Tide, which is just back in stock because it sold out in about two days. So that's the new Tide. Stainless steel, Triton lid, Triton spout. Very, very durable. I think it looks pretty nice too. Um, this has probably been the poster child of Loop since we, we launched in January, um, which is the, the new Haagen-Dazs pint of ice cream. Again, stainless steel, double walled, very durable, very sustainable, easy to clean, easy to fill. Um, what I would say, though, is when we embarked on this, this journey of Loop and we said we're going to do an e-commerce delivery model, and then Nestle said, well, we want to do ice cream, we kind of just sat there and smiled. <laughs> like, okay. Um, so built in, I talked about new functionality. This ice cream container enables home delivery of a pint of ice cream, which is a phenomenal thing. It stays colder longer. Uh, but it also increases, or it changes the way that people eat ice cream. I'm, I'm Canadian, but I've lived in the U.S. for five years now, so this is one serving for me. Um, and of course, I'm going to eat it right out of the pint. Uh, so normally, if I were to do that, my hand would get cold, and the heat from my hand would create a pretty crappy experience. The ice cream would melt from the outside in. I get this kind of iceberg of ice cream. So now with this container, for those of us who want to eat directly from the pint, it's a more enjoyable experience. My hand is going to stay the room temperature, and the ice cream actually melts from the top down. Makes it easier for me to eat every last drop. Uh, design, again, 
counterworthiness is a big piece of loop. This is the new Clorox disinfecting wipe uh, container that Clorox put together, right? Stainless steel mixed with a Triton. Again, very durable. But what's interesting is that this is the number one selling product in loop internationally. People absolutely love this. And we're talking about a product that normally, environmentally speaking, is pretty, pretty rough, right? Being TerraCycle, we're able to, to recover all of the wipes that are used, and we will recycle them. And then the design is, is more counterworthy. People are putting up, and it's created a really nice product. So you're probably thinking here, everything's stainless steel, and this is an attack on the plastics industry. Couldn't be further from the truth. At Loop, we are materially agnostic. Um, we don't care what the material is, so long as it's durable. This is an example of Cascade, the now number two selling product on Loop, and it had about a four-week delay versus every other product. Um, it's 100% Triton, right? So it's all plastic, but it's durable and it's reusable. Um, and, and like I said, we're not attacking the plastics industry. Here's a new product that you will see launching in November of this year in France with Shell. So we're working with Shell to re-engineer their packaging for their lubricant container. So this is the Shell Helix bottle. It is all stainless steel. Um, Again, looks like Shell has their patented double-handle technology, which makes pouring easy, uh, and it's a great breakthrough and innovation for Shell. And it looks nice. Uh, we talked about the, the Coke kind of container earlier today. I smiled and nodded. Um, for all of our products, it's not about crazy innovation all the time. This bottle has existed for a long, long time. It is durable, it is reusable. In France... In the restaurant environment, if you're ordering a soda, it's illegal there to serve it in a single-use plastic bottle. So Coca-Cola has always had this bottle in France. So with them, it was working to move that bottle from a B2B channel into a B2C channel. With Tropicana, very similar. They've had packaging in their past that is durable and reusable. And then with their, with their other food lines, uh, we're working with Quaker to put a, um, breakfast cereals into a very durable and reusable stainless steel tin that, again, has existed before. Uh, we have a lot of uh, glass examples as well. This is a new mayonnaise with Hellman's. Ranch. Apparently, people eat this with pizza a lot. I, was, I thought it was always salad dressing. I'm even learning as a consumer myself. But again, what's, what's coming here in the innovation, the glass bottle existed, but it's the labeling, right? Instead of a plastic label or a paper label that would go on, it's directly printed on the bottle. Um, it will have some kind of coating or perhaps ceramic ink so that it can withstand the, the wash cycle and truly become durable. So the packaging isn't that much of an innovation, but the labeling and how that comes to life is. Um, what was really interesting, one of our hand soap partners did a survey, and they said that 46% of their consumers purchased their hand soap and then immediately put it into a durable container. So their idea was, let's give them the durable container right away. And this is with seventh generation. They're going to be doing hand soap as well as dish soap. For companies like Mondelez, it was, again, looking to the past. How do I reinvent the idea of the cookie jar? I think, again, very beautiful design, very durable material for them. It was about how do I get people to take my product out of their cupboards, put it on their counter, and then I can see more cookies, eat more cookies. 
for a company like Le Sieur, which is a French uh, cooking oil company, as well as doing a lot of sauces. Uh, their perception from their consumers, what it, it was their grandmother's cooking oil. So they really use this idea of loop, of durability, to innovate and modernize their design. So right now with Loop, we're partnered with over 145 brands globally, uh, working on almost 1,000 different SKUs that will enter the platform between now and 2000 and 2021. Most of our early partners have been large international uh, conglomerates in the, the FM, FMCG space. And for them, they really took this concept of design um, to beautify their packaging, to make their packaging irresistible to the consumer. And they've been able to, to capture an audience who perhaps sustainability wasn't their, their primary motive, and they were using disposable products, but they've used this idea of purposeful design to move them into a really sustainable packaging, whether they know it or not. So in a lot of what we're doing at Loop, we take this to heart because we want to convert people into our system and almost autopilot them into doing the best thing for the environment. Like I said, we're working with a lot of brands globally and, and there's a lead time. I mentioned this earlier. It's a very challenging thing for these brands to, to pivot uh, from what they've been doing for over 100 years into something new. So a lot of our partners have looked at existing stock packaging um, to get product into the platform, to start learning from consumers and figuring out how can we build the supply chain long term. So this is uh, a shampoo and conditioner from Pantene. Clearly the, the artwork, the closures are, are new, but what Pantene is working on is what is my bottle of the future? And, and this is what it could look like. This is a, a concept that they've been working on where the entire bottle is stainless steel or aluminum. We're still, we're still working on that, but everything is cleanable. In, in the previous example here, the triggers are still plastic, right? Consumers can send them back. We as Loop will sort them, work with TerraCycle to materially recycle them into a new format, and the bottle is, is durable and reusable. Whereas this future iteration, the entire bottle, the pump and the trigger included, will be cleanable and reusable. And we're working with some of the largest uh, trigger and, and closure companies in the world to help brands make that leap forward. Um, this is an example of Ren Clean Skincare, which is a Unilever brand. Today, again, borosilic glass, very durable. Ceramic printing, so all of the labeling you see is directly printed on the glass, but the, the trigger itself is still plastic. So we are collecting it and recycling it every single time. This is what REN will look like in the future, which is really exciting. I argue that it is very, very beautiful, but again, what's important is the entire, the, the entire package itself with the closure, with the trigger, becomes reusable. And as we move into more durable or rigid materials, when you look at something like shampoo or hand soap, you can't squeeze it out, condiments, right? So triggers and pumps are, are a huge 
um, are a huge opportunity for us moving forward to help make that move into durability because without them, this platform probably doesn't succeed. This is another example of what exists today and what will exist in the future. So Lore is a, a JDE brand, which is one of the largest coffee companies in the world. But again, they're looking at glass today, but moving into plastics in the future. I do want to reiterate, plastics aren't bad so long as they're durable and reusable. Um, we're also looking at innovation in packaging, right? This is a glass bottle in somebody's bathroom. Where there is water, it's wet and breakage. So if anybody here is, is a lawyer or on the regulatory side, the idea of a glass bottle that can break in a slippery environment is a nightmare. And you probably would say, no, don't do it. Um, so we work with a lot of our brands. How do we build in safety into some of these products? So this is the Crest mouthwash. Um, you can see it has a silicone sleeve. So it's very, it grips well, it's very sticky, and we're alleviating kind of any breakage concerns that we see in the bathroom. And again, another product that's sold out on Loop. What's also interesting is it's not just about liquid in a bottle and packaging. With, with Unilever in France, they said, well, putting toothpaste into a durable package is a very big challenge for us. It's also kind of disgusting, we think. Dipping your toothbrush into something, we're not really comfortable. So for them, innovation came through not only the package, but the product itself. So what we'll launch in about four weeks in France is a chewable toothpaste tablet, right? No water usage. You put it in your mouth, crunch it up, and brush away. And that actually lends itself to durability much easier than paste. So we're seeing our brands and our partners really think about their entire supply chain, entire product, and how durability can enable that change. This is actually, we help them source this. It's a cold cream uh, container. So it existed again in the cosmetics industry. And again, like I said, it doesn't always have to be about product in a bottle. With Procter & Gamble and, and Oral-B, what they did was create a product that can be durable and reusable, where the handle itself is stainless steel. It's very heavy. feels kind of nice in your hand. Um, and the top is, is plastic, but you can click it off, send it back. We as TerraCycle will recycle it and send you a replacement that kicks, clicks back on. Hey, now, I love it when it goes my way, my way. Hey, now, I love it when it goes my So I, I touched on this a little bit earlier. We've bitten off a lot with Loop. This is a huge change for a lot of big companies. So today and for next year, what we're really looking at is, is that primary package, that bottle. Uh, long term, it is secondary components. How do we convert caps, triggers, pumps to be durable and reusable? But also what's important and where our partnership with TerraCycle comes really in handy, and I, I mentioned it with Clorox, where we can recover content we want to encourage consumers to send that back so that we can recycle it. So is this better for the environment? It's a question I get asked a lot. And when I go through the supply chain, you'll see why. But for us at Loop, 
we guide all of our partners in three key categories. How can they create packaging that is indeed cleanable? How can they create that packaging to be durable and reusable? And how can we create a supply chain where this is better for the environment? And we've, been, we've done over two dozen LCAs. We've had LCAs third-party ratified. And we've worked very closely with the World Economic Forum. And they've actually created kind of a pillar within their forum called the Loop Alliance, where people can share in a pre-competitive setting to make sure that we are achieving the environmental goals that we want to achieve. So, Loop. Our core competency in Loop in all of this is really twofold. Is that design consulting piece on the front end? How do we help our partners make this shift into durability? And most importantly, almost like TerraCycle where we specialize in recycling, with Loop we specialize in cleaning. Being able to clean a thousand different products to the standards that our brands give us, is that's where we are making our name. What we are not is a retailer. While today we do play retailer, um, it's limited in terms of growth and scalability. So very, very early on we said, we need to partner with retail in order to have the reach that we want to have. So like I said, in every market that we open, we will partner with a retailer. So in France it's with Carrefour. In the UK, it's Tesco. In the United States, it's with Kroger and with Walgreens. In Canada, it will be with the Loblaw Company. Um, and over time, what we envision Loop is, is almost like being an Intel chip inside of a computer. We want to embed this idea into many different distribution channels. Will Loop e-commerce exist? Absolutely. It always will. But we want consumers to be able to go into a Loblaws. And we want them to have Loop product on shelf. And we will do that. Uh, in November of this year, we will launch, an, again, we're not marketers, an integrated Loop model with Carrefour, where people in the Parisian area can go onto Carrefour's e-commerce platform, and they can have a completely omni-channel shopping experience. You can buy Loop product beside other everyday products. And why that's important is we're going to move from 5,000 users in the Paris area today to over 150,000 in November. So that scalability is really, really important. And with all of our retailers, it's going to be a little bit different. And again, that's important to us because no consumer is the same. Everybody's going to shop a little bit differently, and we want to make sure where people shop, they have an option to shop in durable. So, but today it is an e-commerce model, and, and convenience is, is a big piece of what we're trying to do. So I'll, I'll kind of go through the entire uh, supply chain. The first step is, is working with these brands um, to make durable products. From there, the brand will fill those products, and they will palletize and send that products to our distribution centers for Loop. They're all regionalized to where we operate today. We receive that inventory. Consumers will go onto our website and they can shop for, today we have about 200 products in Loop. As they, um, as they check out, we fulfill that order and we deliver it directly to their door. We deliver all of those products in a durable and reusable tote bag that we have created as Loop. I think it would be quite hypocritical if we did this amazing platform and then shipped it in cardboard and packing peanuts. So the loop tote is a really big piece of what we're doing. Consumer receives their products, they take them out, they use them just like they would today. 
where behavior change starts is when that package is empty, instead of throwing it out, instead of recycling it, back into the tote. Don't have to rinse it, don't have to wash it, back in the tote. Consumer can go onto their account, they can request a pickup. In the United States, and more than likely Canada, we use UPS. Uh, UPS will come, pick up that tote, they will send it back to our warehouse, we scan it in, and for every bottle that's in the loop tote, the consumer has the option to subscribe to automatic replenishment. So if they've done that, as soon as we scan it in, we will send them a replacement of all of the products that they sent back. It's not necessarily going to be in that same package that they sent back, but it might have been mine five weeks ago. For all of the products that we receive, we sort and aggregate by brand until we've hit our brand partner's minimum order quantity for a fill. So I'm not good at math, so we're going to keep it round. Let's say it's 1,000. As soon as we get 1,000 Haagen-Dazs containers, we as Loop clean, sanitize those containers. We stage them. We send them back to Haagen-Dazs where they refill it and re-enter inventory. So that's how Loop exists today. It is a reusable model, but again, how do we think about disposability in the linear model that exists today? And how do we replicate it in loop? How do we create a similar shopping and use experience that already exists today? So our, while our retail partners um, are, are really helping drive traffic and awareness, which is a really big thing, because Loblaws has a lot more cachet and reach than Loop does as a brand. So they're helping drive consumers to our website. They're very visible on their website. But long-term, our retail partners will be the ones actually doing the sale of these Loop products to the consumer. Again, this is a really, I, I think, again, I'm biased. I think this is a really great idea. But without consumers demanding this, I don't think we're able to make this happen, right? I mentioned the David Attenborough documentary, Ellen MacArthur Foundation coming out and saying there's going to be more pieces of plastic in the ocean than fish by 2050. This made people stand up and, and kind of demand this from the companies that they buy products. Um, and then we wanted to go a step further. We really wanted people to, to want to participate in this. And what we've been seeing in, in the four months that we've been operating is that consumers really love this. It's, it's almost like the holidays. They get their loop toad and it's like they run down to the door, they take it upstairs, they open it up, they Instagram all of their packaging. Let's show of hands, when's the last time any of you Instagrammed your mouthwash? <laughs> right? It's that part of love and the consumer demand that's so important to what we're building at Loop because we want this to be viable. We want this to be a sustainable business model that allows us to grow over time. We've also seen that a lot of consumers are, are surprised by the, the, the partners who are in Loop, right? For a lot of them, it's like, I, I don't perceive P&G to care about the environment. But the fact that you're trying this and you're trying to make it available to me really resonates with me. And where I never would have bought your product before, I'm going to buy it now. And I think that's a, that's a really big sign that people want this. And again, that demand has allowed us to expand. I'm, I'm standing here today, and, and the fact that we're going to be bringing this to Canada and the, the greater Toronto area in Q3 of next year was, was never in our plans. 
right? But the fact that the retailer called us up and said, how do we bring this to Canada? The fact that Canadians consistently are, are responding on social media and emailing us and saying, how do we bring this to Canada? It has forced us as a company to expand much, much quicker than we would have wanted to, right? We're in the US, we're in France, we're going to be in the UK in January, we're going to be on the west coast of the United States in Q2, we're also going to launch in Germany in Q2, then we have Canada in Q3, then we're launching um, in Tokyo, supported by the Tokyo Metropolitan Government and the Olympics to launch uh, when the Olympics go to Tokyo in 2020. And we've already started our 2021 expansion. We'll, we will bring Loop to Australia. None of that happens unless consumers want this. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this Sea Change Conference session. Search for On the Cusp, Alberta's circular podcast on iTunes and Google Play, or visit recycle.ab.ca to see the full slides and audio presentation.